Welcome to Vida I Wish I Knew Then, a safe space where modern Latinas share their healing journeys on how to build confidence and are now breaking barriers. I'm your host, Jess, and this podcast will talk about our cultura and speak on topics we wish we knew before, of course, with a little Spanglish twist. Let's get started. Hola, amigas. Welcome to Vida I Wish I Knew Then. I'm your host, Jess. OMG, friends, it's been quite a journey, and I want to express my heartfelt gratitude for joining me once again. If you're new here, I always encourage you to grab a cafecito, agüita, or a glass of wine to make yourself comfortable, because our topics get pretty good. On today's episode, we're going to delve into the topic of being intentional with your money. Listen up, because this is a big deal to me. As I mentioned in my last episode, you would never hear hear me talk about money before without mentioning how broke I was. But now I'm on a new journey. I'm a whole nother new person. <laughs> no, but seriously, I'm loving this new journey where I am making an effort to learn more about abundance and building generational wealth. Joining us today is a lovely guest, Sunem. Sunem is a Latina financial educator and coach. She has a master's degree in finance. She had this frustration as the only Latina in her finance program that drove her to make wealth building more accessible for communities of color. In just four years, she achieved a multi-six-figure network, became debt-free, and transformed her relationship with money. Talk about goals. Now, also Nem is on a mission to help more Latinas and women of color to get their money right, build wealth, and live the life of their dreams. This is why we invited her. But before we dive into our conversation, let me share a little tiny funny story. So Sunem and I scheduled a call, we jumped on the call, and we got carried away chatting about money that we forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> so here I am recording the introduction separately. All right, without further ado, let's dive in a little deeper with our incredible guest, Sunem. All right, Sunem, so let's get started. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to meet up with you and have this episode because um, I, I was telling you earlier, I was talking about money wounds. Um, I did talk about how I met with Evie, the salary negotiator, and as she was trying to give my amiga some advice here, I was like, oh, my heart was just like hurting. And I didn't realize that, you know, even like when it comes to salary negotiation, how that is very connected to, to money wounds. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit more about money wounds. But before I even dive in, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and um, just a little bit about your background. Yeah. So thank you so much for having me. I also listened to that episode with Evie. It was really good. I really enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So a little bit about myself is um, my name is Sunem Tabar. I am a financial coach. Um, I'm also a big time introvert. <laughs> so if you hear me saying um, um, a lot, it's because of that. Just letting you know. <laughs> And so a little bit about, about me um, and how I started 
in the financial space is it all started because I wanted to become debt free. So um, I graduated college with like $16,000 in student debt, which wasn't a lot compared to other people. But that was because I like basically had a full right. But I, you know, came from a poor family who didn't have money to give me to like spend. So I was like, Oh, let me get out some student debt, like loans, because that's what I saw everybody getting. So I'm like, let me get some so like I can live my life. And so during that time, like I I don't even know where I spent all my money. It was probably like on some useless stuff from Amazon because I was really addicted to Amazon back in the day. Um, And this is because I grew up in poverty and like, we'll we'll talk about this later, but like when you grow up in poverty, like you tend to become an overspender sometimes and sometimes you can become a hoarder. Um, But we'll talk about this in a little bit. Um, And so I like graduated um, college and then my my family was like, oh, well, you just graduated. Um, You're going to start a new job, you should think about getting a brand new car. And I was like, Oh, okay, yeah, I should. And so I got me a brand new car. And so my debt was like 40 more than $42,000. And at that time, I was only making like less than 20,000. Um, and so first, I want to say I had no idea how much debt I had, I just knew that I had debt and that I had to make minimum loan payments, um, you know, for my car and for my student debt. Um, and so eventually, like, I got tired of having to pay off this debt. And I was like, I just feel like my money is going everywhere. And I have no idea, like, I feel out of control with my money. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I really, really want to become debt free. And before that, I used to be the type of person that could not stick to a budget, like I could not, it was just so hard. Uh, But I was like, I want to become debt free. So I made that my goal. I'm like, this is my goal. And so when I started budgeting, um, that's when I like, like my, my why was like become debt free. That's when it I it finally clicked. I'm like, okay, well, this is why I'm budgeting to become debt free. Um, and I think that's really important to think about your why when you're like trying to um, come up with a reason why you want to budget. Because if you don't come up with a reason, it becomes kind of really impossible to stick to it. Um, mm-hmm. And so like that led me down into a rabbit hole of personal finance because I like started reading so much many blogs during that time. I think it was like in 2016, 2017. Um, I don't think podcasts were that big of a deal back then. It was mostly like blogs. So I would just consume all blogs. And so that eventually led me to the importance of investing. And that was something that I was never taught. (laughs) Like I was never taught to invest except for like, oh, buy a house. Like that's the only form of investing. Um, And so when I like realized the importance of investing, I was like, I want to start investing but I was really confused and overwhelmed. Like I didn't understand what's going on. And so I was like, well, you know, I like learning. Let me go back to school and earn me a master's in finance so that I can learn how to invest. Uh, Because for some reason, I thought that they were going to teach me this in school. (laughs) And so I went to school. And during this time, I was still like reading lots of blogs. And so by the time that I took my first class, I felt like I was really an expert in investing at that point, but I was still a little scared to get started. Um, And then I realized that like my master's program in finance didn't really teach me how to invest. It just taught me like corporate finance, which was something so different and that you don't really need in order to invest. And I learned that the hard way. Um, (laughs) But during that time, like I started investing and I was still paying off debt. And so like I became a big time money nerd during that time. 
And I was like really passionate about it. I would talk to like my family. And like during that time, a lot of them ignored me. They're like, yeah, whatever. We don't really care about this. Um, And eventually like COVID happened 2020. And then um, my my younger brother, um, he was he was a teacher and then I taught him how to invest. And then eventually like in 2021, uh, we decided that we wanted to partner up and create a business called the Dream Teacher Project um, because he was really passionate about helping teachers and I was really passionate about finance. And so that's how like our financial coaching started uh, because we were both really passionate about something. Wow, Uh, that was definitely a journey. And the crazy thing is that it all was around finance. So at least it led you to the right direction. Um, Mm -hmm. I really like the fact that you said that you were just paying, paying and paying and not realizing like, what were you paying or what it was going to. And I'm going to tell you that for me in particular, um, and I say it in my last episode, I was finally hitting the peak of my career, right? This has been probably the most I've ever made in my whole entire life. But I still didn't know where my money was going. And I had I have so many credit cards and I was just paying like I don't even know if I was I think I was just trying to look at the minimum but not even like paying them with intention I was just like as long as I'm on top of my bills we're good and I it wasn't really taking any taking me anywhere and then anytime um that I had to like renew the lease on our house I would start getting nervous because I'm like oh my god if we go to somewhere else like they're gonna have to run my credit my credit's not bad but I don't know where my finances it was just anything that how to do with numbers was very intimidating for me and I that's when I'm like I can't I can't live like this anymore um so I'm pretty sure that you hear that quite often with some of the clients that you work so in your experience as a finance coach like what are some of the most most common money challenges that you have served that you that you see in your clients yeah so yeah I see that so much like they're confused or overwhelmed they don't don't know where to get started. Um, because you know, in personal finance, they're like, there's so much information out there that you're like, well, should I listen to this person? Or should I listen to this other person? And so that makes getting started really overwhelmed. And I seen that like, so, so many times, even with my own self, like, I just didn't know where to get started. Um, and that's because, you know, nobody really taught us any like school uh-huh. did not teach us this, like <laughs> me getting a master's in finance does not teach me anything about personal finance. So we are like led to learn this on our own. And that's really, really scary. And that's completely normal to feel scared and overwhelmed. Like that's completely normal. We all feel that way. Um, But what I always tell people is like, just start with like something that feels less overwhelming to you. So for me, when I started, I was like, I think the last thing that feels less overwhelming to me at this moment is to write down how much I owe in debt. And so that was the first step. And when I like realized like, oh, I owe more than $42,000, I was like, oh my God, I need to pay this off because I'm not going to be able to achieve any of my other goals if I don't. But like before that, like I knew I had debt, but I didn't know what I had. And so I think like the first thing is like to get started. That's what I always tell them. Um, Another challenge that I do um, hear a lot is like the money scarcity mindset, uh, which I kind of talked a little bit about it. Um, And basically, like, it's the belief that wealth is limited, and you can run out of it. Um, And this belief can typically um, affect people from achieving their financial goals. And a lot of us don't even know that we have this 
scarcity money mindset. Um, and we are actually, we actually grew up with it. Sometimes if you like experience poverty growing up or you come from an immigrant background that maybe you didn't experience poverty, but your parents did. Mm-hmm. And so they pass that thought on to you. And so like when you have a scarcity money mindset, it can manifest in you like feeling very like overwhelmed with your money, you not wanting to think about it because it makes you feel some sort of way. It can also manifest in you like being an overspender because like, oh, you did not have all these things while you were growing up. So now you're trying to make up for it. And I was definitely guilty of that. Um, The other thing is like you can either save too much and invest too much because you're scared that your money's going to run out. So you try to hoard your money. Um, And that also happened to me. Um, Or you feel stressed and anxious when thinking about money, which kind of leads you to avoid any long term financial planning. And so I see this a lot in our clients. Oh, my God. (laughs) So I am guilty and guilty. Um, One of the things that I want to say is, my amigas, quiero que se pongan a pensar. Like, if you look at wealthy houses, right? They're so clean. There's, like, hardly anything in these houses. They're just, like, very beautiful. And then you go into, uh, let's say, I'm going to use me as an example. (laughs) You come to my house, and then, like, my mom would call it trincherías, or I don't even, I don't know how to pronounce it, but, like, crap everywhere, unnecessary things, things that bring you pleasure for that little second. Um, but now what? Like, for example, I I literally have two coffee machines and I, I was already thinking of getting the third one. Like, these are all expenses that are not needed. And that once you start taking, and, and I don't want to speak like I'm an expert here, but I realized that once I started taking a better look at my finances, I started not buying as much things anymore because I felt like I had a little bit more control of my of my finances if that makes sense mm-hmm. um it it just motivated me to continue to grow my account but then I'm also guilty on that other end where I'm seeing my bank account and I'm like oh my gosh like what am I gonna do with this money this is so good and I guess I in my case it's not necessarily bad, but it's also not the best approach. As soon as I would see this money come in to them, I would be like, here to my credit card. So I would, would yeah. I would be putting big chunks to my credit card just because I didn't want like I didn't want to lose that money, right? But mm-hmm. I'd rather just pay off a debt. And I guess it could be good. But the bad part of it is that again, I was paying my credit card, my per- I'm sorry, my credit cards with no intention. I was just like, mm-hmm writing them out. And I've cried to them. I've cried so much before because I've made some really stupid money moves. And um, I've gone to therapy for this, you know, and they have even told me like, you didn't know any better, you need to forgive yourself. And when I say stupid money moves is um, like I had a large lump sum of money. And instead of like looking at my debt, and actually paying something off, I put it to something that brought me back to where I was. Mm-hmm. And that, like, and I'm, I'm getting, like, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> Every time I think about it, it gets me upset. Mm-hmm. And, I, and again, that is back connected to, to money wounds, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm going to pass it on back to you. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's fine. Yeah, like, yeah. So I always tell our clients that like money is very emotional. Like people think that money is just like one way, like, oh, it should be easy. But like money really triggers our emotions a lot because like it's really important in the society. Like, you know, if you don't have money, you can't live. And that's because we live under a capitalistic society. Um, and also like I feel like we live under a matrix of like consumerism and the sense that like this world is made for us to feel like we need to spend like you need to keep up with the Jones which this this is like a really common phrase in personal finance meaning like you need to keep up with like people around you you need to have the best cars you need to have the best purse and all of that and we do that without being intentional we don't really take a moment to ask ourselves like is me buying this car actually going to make me happy is me like buying this purse going to make me happy um and sometimes the answer is no and sometimes the answer is yes but i feel like the most important thing is to be like intentional with your money but also like forgive yourself for the things that you didn't know because like nobody taught us this like your like mm-hmm. my parents did not teach me how to like manage my money even going to school and getting a whole master's in finance did not teach me how to ma- manage my money and so we always sell- tell our clients like you know we didn't know what we didn't know and like all we can do is uh, just move forward with the information that we have and hopefully like take this information for the better but also help other people along the way because we always believe that like community is really important um, Mm -hmm. when it comes to like growing wealth together and I think that's like the best thing you can do thank you for that can you Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what you mean by well first of all let's explain what generational wealth is because I feel like we often it's it's becoming um a buzzword and Mm -hmm. I'm happy happy that it is becoming a buzzword but I don't think that a lot of us really know what it really means so could you tell us a little bit about what generational wealth means or how we could even start building generational wealth Mm -hmm. yeah okay so generational wealth normally is defined as like the financial assets uh, which means like assets can be like cash investments any property any like family businesses that you pass down through your family um through your children or grandchildren or like beyond so that's basically what generational wealth means but i do not define it that way because i feel like generational wealth is not simply about money but it's also about like passing down knowledge because yet maybe we can pass down money but we can pass out like knowledge um for example like maybe i i cannot give my nephews and nieces any money but i can pass them down the knowledge on how to invest and so they will know that at a way younger age than i knew how to invest and i would teach them how to invest and so that's one form of generational wealth another form of generational wealth that i feel like a lot of people don't talk about is your community and like because the more people you know like the more information you would know and i i know in like the latino community like we're really like family oriented Mm -hmm. and so i always believe that this is really important because the more people you meet the more people you connect the more people you're going to be passing information along and the more wealth like you can all become together and so for me that's generational wealth like the knowledge not simply the money i love that you say that because now that you're now that you're explaining see this is why i love to have my guests on here because i learn something new every time but when you were 
were talking about, it's more than just money. It made me think of, um, I'm a big fan of Patty Rodriguez. I'm not sure if you know her. Um, she is the CEO or the founder of Little Libros. So mm. she's really big on uh, creating generational wealth. And one of the things that I often see on her, on her story is she's teaching her kids how to plant. So they're like in a mission to create a garden and she keeps calling it generational wealth, like building generational wealth. And it just makes sense. I always wonder like, what does she mean by that? And the fact that you just explained that, that is, it makes, it's adding color to the picture. So thank you for sharing that. And I also like the fact that you said that generational wealth can also mean community and sharing the knowledge. Um, I think that is, I don't know about any other cultures, obviously, but at least in the Latino community, like, like not putting my grandma or my tias or anyone down. But like, if I have this idea, they would be like, no le vas a decir a nadie. No le vas a decir. Like, they would tell me like, keep it to yourself. And I'm like, no, because you know, I'm, this could make me grow bigger if I were to share my thoughts and ideas with someone else. So, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, so yeah, so Sunem, tell me, um, tell me some of the ways that let's say I am now financially stabled and I'm okay with my credit. I'm okay with, with the debt. How, what are some ways that I can start maybe growing my income without, I don't know, without, I'm going to pass it on to you. Like what, what is a way that someone can leverage the money that they already have to make it grow more? Yeah. So I know in the Latino culture, I grew up thinking that the only way to grow my money was to like invest in properties. Uh, which of course that is one way. Um, but another way to grow your money um, and to make it grow without you having to like um, spend like a hundred years working <laughs> is for you to actually start investing. Um, and when I'm talking about investing is I'm talking about investing in the stock market. And so like, I feel like a lot of us believe investing in the stock market is for like the rich white person, because I mean, it was made for them, but now through te- technology, we all have access to be able to invest invest in the stock market. Um, And this is a great way to actually start building wealth, Uh, especially like the sooner you start investing. um, I mean, it doesn't mean that you have to start like that you have to be young to start investing, but it, it, the sooner that you do start, like the more money you will have, um, because there's something called compound interest, which is, um, just interest on top of interest. And, um, Albert Einstein called it the eighth wonder of the world because it really does, uh, grow your money the longer you have it in the stock market. And so if you want to start investing, uh, one of the ways that I always recommend all our clients is like, if you have an employer, um, you can ask them if they offer like a 401k or a 403b um, or 457, um, depending, usually like 403b and 457s are like for government workers, um, such as teachers or people who work in the government. Um, And then 401ks are usually for like corporate workers. Um, So that's like a great way to get started because um, sometimes like your employers will match up to a percentage. Um, Like for example, for me, if I invest 5%, my employer will match up 4%. And that's basically 
basically like free money that is being um, invested for me so that when I do retire, I will have um, this like a lot of money that I didn't think I would have um, because I grew up as a low income and my parents never knew about investing. Uh, So that's a really great way to start building um, money uh, through investing in the stock market. Great. That that is some great. And it's funny because sometimes we have these things that are offered to us and we're just like, eh, not it's so it's important that you pay attention and and I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but me in particular, like my HR, my HR department is really good about answering these questions. So they could always uh, give you a little bit more explanation on how do they go about matching you or what is a percentage? Because obviously not all the organizations work the same way. Um, but here's another question. Let's say I do want to start investing, right? But because I've never invested in my life, it could be a little scary. How do I even determine how much money I could invest or like what's a little bit what's a lot or how how can I come up with that number yeah that is a great question and I do get this question a lot um so what I always tell everyone who asks me this question is like what amount is going to be fine for you like comfortable because some people like they're like okay I can only start with ten dollars that's the only amount that will feel sustainable and comfortable for me then I say okay well invest ten dollars because that's what's gonna make you feel okay Um, And there's some people that will be like, I feel like I have $100 to spare to be able to invest, then I will say $100. So I guess in order to answer this question, you need to know where your money's going, how -hmm. much you have available to spend, because I don't want you to be investing, but then you can't pay your bill. Um, And so you have to go into debt in order to pay your bill. So um, yeah, so it's really important that you do know how much money is going in and out of your account so that you're able to answer that question. But like I said, once you know that, you can Mm -hmm. ask yourself like, which amount feels sustainable for me? Because we're all different. Like I can tell you like, oh, start investing with 100, but maybe you can't. Um, And so I really couldn't tell you like the exact number. I can only tell you like um, to be more like intentional with your money. And and I like how you're taking us back to square one, right? (laughs) You, This is the reason why it's so important for you to see what is your debt? What can you pay off so you can start investing? Um, I I would like to share an example that is stayed with me for a very long time and I'm probably going to butcher this example but uh, one of my teachers one of my college professors we were talking about this right because he was very passionate about bringing awareness to this and it's so funny because now I understand (laughs) years later I'm like oh that's what he's talking about but um, going back to our shopping habits right like we we splurge money sometimes shopping brings in a little bit of happiness and it's okay to go shopping once in a while in fact just went shopping yesterday and it's been a long time so I was very proud of that but um uh he said look miss miss fashionista because I used to love wearing different things all the time how often do you buy a blouse and I was like uh like once a week and then he's like all right so how much do you spend on this blouse I was like not a lot just like twenty dollars like okay so do you really need all these tops no not really okay so maybe instead of buying that top because you already have a thousand others like save those twenty dollars a week and that's what you can start investing and that has always stayed with me like whenever I do want to cut down or I do want to do something additional like I always think like what is it that I buy all the time that I don't need and I mm-hmm. even cafecitos 
Mm-hmm. I want your mixed drinks. Mixed drinks are so expensive nowadays. Um, mm-hmm. Just take an inventory of what is it that you consume on the daily basis or on the weekly basis. And can you survive without it? And if you can, like maybe that could be the, this is how you can determine the dollar amount. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like, I love that example that you said it was your professor. It was a college professor that that, that that professor gave you. And first of all, I do want to say that, like, sometimes someone will give you this advice, but you're not in the correct mindset to receive it. And that's fine. Like, sometimes it just happens when we're finally like in the right mindset to receive these things. And they all start making sense. I feel like I was that way too. Like when I was trying to teach my brother, like he was like, yeah, I don't care about all this stuff. And then finally, when he was like, in the correct mindset, he was able to get it. But yeah, like, we're all going through our own journey. Um, And then eventually, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's true. But yeah, I really love how he said about like being very intentional, because yes, there's some things that we buy that we just buy for the uh, sake of it. We don't really, we're not intentional with our, with why we're buying it. We don't question it. We just do it like autopilot. And I remember from my experience before I, you know, wanted to become debt free, like I would spend all my money on Amazon, like some random stuff that I have no idea. Like if you ask me to this moment, like I have no idea what I bought. And so like, and I didn't even know I was spending all my money in Amazon. I just found out when I became more intentional with it. And I went back and checked. I was like, oh my God, I spent like $6,000 in Amazon. Um, and I have no idea where all those things went. And so when I became more intentional, I was like, first of all, I don't like Amazon as a corporation because, you know, it's like running small businesses. So I don't want to give my money to them. And here I was like trying to be like, oh, a small business, but then giving my money to those big corporations. And so when I became more intentional, I was like, yes, I don't want to give my money to Amazon. So I'm going to stop reducing it. And so I was able to do that because I was more intentional. And I feel like a lot of us just run an autopilot, which I mean, it makes sense because we're always so busy in this country too, that it makes sense why we're an autopilot. But if you do want to be able to accomplish your financial debt, uh, I mean, goals, which maybe it, it might mean becoming debt free, maybe it might mean investing because you want to retire one day, maybe it might mean uh, you want to travel the world, you know, we have to be intentional so that we're able to achieve our goals. Great. Thank you. Thank you for that. And um, it was your birthday not long ago, right? And yeah. Happy belated birthday. I did see on Instagram that you treated yourself. Um, so can you tell, I mean, if you don't mind telling us a little bit about how you treated yourself and what was the, like, how did you even get to that? What did you do, first of all, for your birthday? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I just turned 30. Um, and so I was the type of person that would never celebrate any of my goals. So when I became debt free, like I didn't celebrate that. And I just was like, okay, I'm debt free, move on to the next goal. So I was just like, go, go, go oriented and would never stop and celebrate my wins. Um, and something that I've learned the longer that I've, you know, wanted, like worked on myself and my self development is that I want to be more intentional, even with like celebrating myself. And so, um, I, I recently achieved like um, a, a financial milestone, which is so my my financial goal right now is to be able to retire at the age of 45. Wow. And so I, <laughs> I like invest 
And so like one of my, I reached one of my milestones, which was like, I am 20% to retirement. And I read about this in someone's Instagram. And when I read about that, I'm like, oh, I want to do that. Like every time I reach a 10%, I want to celebrate it because I never celebrated my wins before. And I feel like it's really important to celebrate yourself because that really keeps you motivated and keeps you going. And it makes you be present too. You're like, okay, this is what I achieved. Celebrate myself, but now I can move on with more motivation. Mm -hmm. And so something that I was like, okay, well, I want to do something, but I'm not sure. So I went on Instagram and I asked like my audience what they wanted to for me to do. So I like added three things that I was wanting to do. And one was like either by like a um, noise canceling headphones, like have a little gathering or the other one was like have a jaw experience. And so like almost 50% voted for the jaw experience. And what was funny was like, that was like my least uh, popular, the least one that I wanted to do. Um, but I, I, yes, I loved it. It was so nice and so peaceful. And so like for my 30th birthday, I flew down to San Diego with one of my friends. Um, and we had this experience. Um, she, she joined me too. And it was so nice. It was so relaxing and calming. And I was like, this is what I want for my 30s and moving forward. I want my life to be calm and intentional and relaxing. So it was a great, great experience. Sunam, I want your life because you said <laughs> 45. That's like 10 years for me. That is 10 years for me that I would be able to be retired. So congratulations. That is huge. And again, happy belated birthday. I'm so happy that you enjoy that. And I'm very happy that you treated yourself because like you're right. Sometimes we hustle, 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 regardless of whether you're saving money or working. And we don't realize that we need to stop and treat ourselves a little bit um again money wounds is like something i'm seriously like trying to work on right now i I feel like i've said this before and many people like to describe our lives like a like an onion right we have layers and layers of different traumas and i feel like i peeled some good layers out but now i'm like oh shoot now we're in the money area (laughs) this this is my year this is my year where we're gonna make a change and we're gonna we're gonna take action Mm -hmm. um but i want to share I, I always love sharing stories with all of you guys just to kind of like talk, bring awareness or highlight the topic, right? So one of the things right now is Tengo un carrito de 2012. Um, I got it brand new when I first got it and it has been so good to me. I paid it off a few years ago and believe me, I've been loving the no payment, no car payment life. Um, but um, I put quite a few miles on it. It's been everywhere with me from Las Vegas to San Diego to Tijuana, Rosarito. It's been everywhere. And I think it's starting to die on me. And it like to the point where like it does that little, that little too hot. <laughs> and I'm like, and my husband's like, you need to get a new car. You need a new or a new car because it's gonna leave you stranded somewhere. Because it, it's been points where se me apaga. Mm. And I was like, I again with my emotional self I started crying. I was like, I don't want a new car. I don't, I don't want another car. And he's like, it's not like you don't have the financial um you can financially get it like you're okay. But again, like I put myself in that mindset where I'm just like trying to protect my money now because this is the most I've ever had. But you have to mm-hmm. he, he that pet talk and he did say like, para que estás sufriendo, mm-hmm. you know, 
really going to need this car. Like it's going to leave you stranded somewhere. Then it's going to create emotional stress. And then you're going to have more expenses in the long run. Mm -hmm. So get yourself a little car. It doesn't have to be a brand new car, but get yourself a new car. Mm, so, yeah. 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 <laughs> no, yeah, those are definitely like money wants, money traumas of you like probably growing up in poverty and thinking that like having money is going to be hard to come by. And so like you try to hoard your money. And mm -hmm. I definitely understand because, you know, I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. And I always want to tell everyone that like our money journeys are long and there's going to be moments where like our money wants come back up again. Like, you know, mm -hmm. we can try to heal them, but like you will get better over time. But sometimes they will still show up. And so like, I definitely understand where you're coming from, because that happens to me too. And if I had like, if that happened to my car too, I would be going through it too. I'm like, do I want to get a good, but no, but at the end of the day, like, I feel like money's a tool to, so that you can use to bring you happiness. Um, and that's all it is. And like, if you having a brand new car is going to bring you happiness and it's going to let you enjoy your life then I always say, go ahead and do it because money is just a tool. It shouldn't be hoarded. It should be used for you to live the life that you deserve. Mm, I love that. Thank you. I'm going to go get a new car. <laughs> 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 no, I'm still fighting it. No, I, I feel like I, I feel like if I really do some, uh, I get, like you said, um, my homework, uh, see what I can pay, see what I can afford, kind of measure like the needs versus the wants, it would, I'm sure it'll probably make me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so I have a question. Um, a lot of the a lot of the clients that you have are they chillonas like me? Because I'd be crying about everything. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to think back. I feel like no, not not like a lot of them have cried. I don't think no, I don't think they oh, have. Okay, so she's me on this. <laughs> but um, they have struggled with like with a lot of like issues when it comes to like you know paying off debt, um, investing, and feeling overwhelmed. Well, but I don't think I've ever seen anybody cry yet. I mean, <laughs> well, that, you know? Well, you saw me cry, so now you can use me as an example next time someone mm -hmm. asks you. <laughs> now, it, it's just so crazy how, um, like you said, it, it is, money is so emotional. And it's so funny, too, because uh, I work as a small business advocate in when I was working as a business consultant, sometimes we would ask them um, how much uh, revenue they're bringing in as a small business. And it's for confidential purposes. Mm -hmm. Like this is the reason this is depending on the dollar amount, it would show us as business consultants if we were making a difference or not. Right. So anytime that I would ask, even like mainly the, the Latino uh, small business owners, you know, mm -hmm. what were their wins and what were their losses? They would get so offended. Like, ¿Y para qué necesitas esto? Or like, they were just so snappy. But it, then I would ask like a white business owner and they're like, oh yeah, this year I made this much. Oh, I lost a lot of money last year. Like it was more like mm -hmm. more casual. And I, every time I would look at this audit form, I'm like, ay, le tengo que preguntar how much money. <laughs> I would even get scared to ask them because they would get so 
nappy. Yeah, I, yeah, and I feel it's because you know, in the Latina culture, we're like we don't really like talking about money. It's like taboo subject that nobody nobody wants to bring up. Like for example, in my family, like I had no idea how much money my dad made. I just knew we were poor. That's all I knew. Uh, but I had no idea. And like my dad was like very like he never wanted to talk about any of his money issues. Like I like I mean the only reason I knew stuff was because my mom me mama she has no trouble talking about no money issues <laughs> but my dad was and I know like my tias also like they never talked about money and so like I feel like this is just taught to us like oh don't talk about money and I feel like it's maybe taught because like we don't have a lot of money and so people are ashamed and so like oh mejor let's not talk about it mm-hmm. um, but I feel like we should talk about it because like the more we talk about it and the more we normalize it like the more money we might have because we're like okay help me out I have no money can you find me a job or like yeah. hey help me out which bank should I bank in like the bank that's gonna give me the best interest rate like which investment account should I have um and I think when we do talk about it like it just becomes easier for everyone yeah I love that Evie also said that that she has like these conversations with her friends so I'm curious because I know that you do this with your brother and obviously I'm assuming you guys have a close relationship what kind of conversations do you guys have I mean obviously you don't have to give me the details but like what kind of conversations happen in between you guys when it comes to financial yeah so so it's taken a long time for us to be able to talk money because before I was like a big time money nerd like starting from 2017 I just got hooked for some reason like I loved it I was really passionate about it and so I would talk to all my siblings and nobody wanted to talk to me they're like oh here she goes again here she goes again and then like it just like my brother finally started listening to me when he like realized that so he went to school to be a teacher and then like the first year he was a teacher he like quit his job because he was like this is too hard this is not what I want to do because like you know teachers are really overpaid I mean underpaid and they have so much work to do Mm -hmm. and so um he quit his job and so he realized that he didn't have like generational wealth he had no money Um, my brother went to like um, Ivy League so he went to Yale University and then when he was there like he was surrounded by by wealthy people and so like they he had a full ride like they gave him money and so he was he was living like a rich person and so like when he came back he like realized wait I was living like a rich person but I came back to like the world of my parents being poor and me not having generational wealth and so like he you know he quit his job and then he realized that he had to like find other jobs to come up with money and so during that time that's when like he was willing to listen to me I was like okay well maybe you shouldn't be like spending all your money on like margaritas because he loves margaritas (laughs) I'm like maybe you should be saving and thinking for your future and like before he was like no whatever I don't really care and then after that happened he was like yes I I really want to start like paying off my debt I want to start investing um, so that like a job doesn't have power over me Um, I can control like where I decide to be and so like I like 
And I think from that moment on, like he started getting really interested into in personal finance. And the funny thing is that now he has a job in a fintech where he talks about personal finance all the time. <laughs> and so it's so funny because he hated it. And now he like, that's his main job now. Um, and so like me and my brother, we just talk about a lot of financial topics. So like if he has a question, he comes to me and, and like, and asks me uh, because I'm still like a money nerd and I still love to learn everything. <laughs> and so like this has been really impactful because some of my other siblings have started asking questions and so like like I think almost all my siblings invest except for one like so I have six siblings in well actually five siblings in total we were six in total and four out of them are investing except for one so yeah because we started we both started talking about it <laughs> no, thank you for sharing sharing that with us. And, and I'm it, it makes me happy that you say that once you started learning about finance, like you just started consuming it, consuming and consuming it. And the same thing happened to your brother. Like didn't want to care didn't care about it until he got a little glimpse of it and then now he's teaching it. Mm-hmm. And the crazy thing to me, Sunem, is that I did not want to do anything that had to do with numbers. Do not give me any spreadsheets. Do not give me anything that contains any type of numbers. And the funny thing is that I have a marketing background. So mm-hmm. my goal had always always been like, okay, the only way that I could see numbers is if I could increase the numbers. But that was it. And um, look at look at us. What are we talking about? It, it's just once you open the door to to finance and you set your heart to it with the intention that you want to improve it like it changes you it really truly i mean i'm not saying i'm a change woman here (laughs) (laughs) but the little that i'm learning it has already taken me a far far out Uh um i was um i was out at the mall i was spending the day with my little my little toddler and i was like you know what let's go to Barnes and Nobles and I caught myself looking at books in the finance area when before I was looking at what's trending (laughs) and now I was finding myself in the finance book I mean in the finance section Mm. and I think one of the advice that I can give to someone that it's probably in my situation where they hated numbers is kind of like start diving in in a way that you enjoy it and I love anything that has to do with consumer behavior this is why I love tar- uh, this is why I love marketing because I love mm-hmm. learning about the consumer behavior of a person right when it came to shopping so I picked up a book that was the psychology of finance mm-hmm. so I I plugged it into me in a way where I found it enjoyable and now I'm able to like now it makes more sense now I'm more open-minded in learning about it. And then I got that new book by, uh, uh, what is it called? By Lou? Um, what's her name? Luz? Luz? Is her? Um, so. I, Linda. Linda yeah. Garcia. Um, I think it's called Money Warrior. Oh, my God. I'm butchering. I'm, I'm going to stop there. But we'll put it in the description. <laughs> Uh, but I really fell in love with this book because she starts talking about the stock market. And because I had, like you said, once you start picking up little things, everything starts falling into place. Like I started reading this psychology about money and it made sense what they were talking because they were speaking the same lingo. Um, and I'm like, oh my God, am I going to yeah. start? And, and something else that I've noticed is that 
when like so normally before like the personal finance space was like um it was just basically like white men talking about it and so it was like very tone deaf to like people of color like you know to what we go through um and it was honestly really boring because <laughs> i've gone to like 401k presentations 401k webinars like investing webinars where like it's like white man and it's so boring and this is coming from someone who loves personal finance like i'm a money nerd i would consume all types of personal finance but it's so boring and so it makes sense why we don't find it interesting and why we don't understand it because they're using all these big words that we're like what are you talking about what's a 401k first of all mm-hmm. what's the stock market and so like i love all this like how personal finance is like more like people of color are coming in so they're making like more relatable and so like when i talk about the stock market i always like say oh the stock market is like a supermarket you know you want to go in and buy a produce you're like hey i found out i don't have any grapes i want to go buy grapes well the stock market is like similar to a a supermarket like you know you want to go in and buy an apple stock well then you go in and buy it and so Mm -hmm. like um people before like they don't tell you none of that and so like they don't really tell you the experience and i think that's like a big reason why people don't like it takes them a moment but i really enjoy the like um the tip that you you gave like yeah like um start with something that you enjoy like for example there's some people that love consuming instagram uh content and so like for them they can consume it that way there's some people that love reading like me so i would consume it through blogs and and books there's some people who love youtube you can actually like consume it through youtube there's so so many videos about youtube um you can also consume it through like tiktok so there's like so so many options nowadays to be able to consume personal finance and also like follow people that look like you before there wasn't it was really hard when i first started it was just like white people that were saying like save all your money and spend no money and so i was like oh i need to do that (laughs) and so like i was miserable during that time and so i never preached that i'm like have a balanced approach be intentional have balance enjoy your life but also invest Yes, it, it, I'm so happy that we're breaking through. I'm like, I'm I'm a millennial, um, but I'm really loving the Gen Z and what they're doing. Um, they're just bringing a whole nother perspective. And I'm truly appreciating that because that is our future generation. And I have good faith that our, we're going to be a little bit better. We're going to be a little bit better, um, at least in the next 10 years, because I am seeing some really good people out there. Like you said, a lot of people of color that are making some great money moves. And I think that's one of the reasons why I am so motivated myself because they have been an inspiration to me. Well, so now, this was a great conversation and and Sunem um I know that you also have a podcast and you know that it's so hard to like crunch everything into this small time uh, but before we we um end here is there anything in particular that you would love to share with our audience yeah so I want to share especially if you're like a Latina like us I think it's really important that we do you know take control over our money and like being more intentional with it because like you know 
Latinas make 54 cents to every dollar a white man does. Mm -hmm. And so research has shown that at this current rate, Latinas want to achieve equal pay for another 432 years. Um, And that's crazy. And so we really cannot afford to not take control of our finances, especially if we want our next generations to be better than us. And so a way to do that is like, you know, budget, pay off debt, invest, Uh, Because doing all of that, like it's really going to give you more options in your life, in your career. Uh, Because like if you have an emergency fund, which is like a saving fund for like an unexpected expenses. um, And if you lose your job, you're going to be fine because you have that. Or also like maybe you just don't like your job and you have that money, you'll feel secure to actually leave it to look for a better job. And so like if you have investments, um, you know, that's also going to give you another like comfort, like, oh, I have this here. So I'm able to like be more flexible. And like, for example, for me, um, I used to work in an office that I hated. And I would like be on Instagram and I would be so jealous of the people who traveled because I'm like, I want to be traveling. I hate being in the office. But the good thing that during that time, I was like building my emergency fund, I was investing, I was budgeting, I like became debt free. And so there came a moment where I was like, I have all this financial milestones that I can actually use to take control over my life. So I was like, let me ask my employer to let me work remotely. And if they don't, well, that's okay. I would just pivot to a, a different you know, uh, job. I have money that I'll be able to survive for a year. And so like I was able to come in here and negotiate this remote job. And I was the only one, like nobody had ever done this. And so they said yes. And I was able to do this because I had all this money. If I did it, I don't think I would have feel like I would feel the power to be able to do this. And so now like I get to travel every month and I'm like, I'm no longer like um, jealous of the people who travel because I'm like, I'm traveling every month too. You're that person. (laughs) Yes. And so that's why I always like, like I love telling everybody, please like take control over your money because you're literally giving yourself more options in life and in your career. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Sunem. Uh, You are truly an inspiration and the fact that you are debt free at such a young age is pretty darn inspiring. So thank you for bringing awareness to such an important topic. And um, of course, I want to invite you to tell um, my guests a little bit about what you do as a coach if you want to tell them where they can find those services or anything that um, is connecting to you yeah so yeah so we do offer um, money coaching services Um, you can find it through the dreamteacherproject.com that's where we offer it but we do offer a three-month service where we it's basically like tailored to your needs so if you want to focus on paying off debt when we can focus on that if you were like already debt-free or you feel comfortable and you want to learn how to invest then we would focus on that we basically meet you where you are at um and yeah it's for three months and we help you live the life that you deserve and also if you're like hey i don't i don't feel ready to do money coaching that's okay we also have a podcast which is called the money noticias and we talk all about money topics with my brother israel and we talk about debt paying off debt investing anything related to money so feel free to listen to our podcast So good. Thank you so much. And I'm going to be putting all that information in the chat area. Um, 
So I'm going to go ahead and close it with one last question. My signature question. What is something that you wish you knew then? Well, I something that I wish I knew then was that I should be... So I'm a big time introvert. And this this few years, I've been trying to build more uh, like community. And I was really shy back in school. And I wish that I would have not been as shy and would have like taken the time to actually connect with other people because connection and community is really important uh, when it comes to life and not just money, but everything. So that's something that I wish then. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing. You never know when you're next to a person that could be the answer to your next adventure. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Exactly. Thank you so much, Juna. Thank you, amigas, for listening. We will see you in the next episode. Thank you again for tuning in to Vida. I wish I knew then. I appreciate your support and hope to continue providing valuable insights and inspiration. I invite you to subscribe to my podcast and leave a review. Your reviews will help this podcast reach more modern Latinas like yourself who are on a mission to break through barriers. Also follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Vida underscore with underscore Jess to stay updated on the latest episodes and behind the scenes content. Recuerda, we're all on a journey of growth and self-discovery, and we're here to support each other. Las quiero mucho.